Life Advice Weekly Podcast. This is episode 50, the big 5-0, and this is Trevor Sheridan, your host from AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we let the new apps and games come into the App Store paradise and try to steal our attention. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. Those, that App Store paradise has definitely stolen my attention this week. Uh, I went on a short little vacation, but I was still at night playing a bunch of games when I wasn't enjoying the nice weather and there was some good stuff this week. It's tough to get away from that app store paradise, even on vacation. <laughs> well, it's just too easy. Cause you're, you yeah. always have your phone with you and there's always something to, there's a line or something that you don't want to deal with. And so you just start playing with your phone while waiting. And before you know it, you played a bunch of games. And a lot of people are doing the same thing as Apple announced that, in 2017, iOS developers earned $26.5 billion, which is a 30% increase over 2016. So a lot of people are feeling the same way. Yeah, that's a lot of money. I, I mean, they don't break down of what, how, like how many developers got what. Like this could be a large percentage of that could be a few big developers got a lot of that money. But still, that is a huge chunk of change. Yeah, so... You got to imagine that top grossing chart, which they did get rid of in iOS 11, but that top 10 earns a big portion of that 26.5 billion, just like our society in the whole. So it kind of fits in that whole model. <laughs> yeah. And in specifically, you know, we talked about how there was the iTunes freeze during the holiday break. And it's such an important time because Apple said that in that seven day period from Christmas Eve to New Year's Eve, the App Store generated $890 million just over that seven-day period. And then New Year's Day of 2018 specifically generated another $300 million. So that was a very busy time, and that's why it's so important to be featured during that time. Right, yeah. That's when you want – well, that's when there's a lot of sales. So you have a lot of people that maybe already have devices buying up stuff that they had held off on that's now on sale. And then you had all the people with all these new devices coming on and like, I got to get all these games I've been hearing about. I got to download this, 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 and this. And obviously it's not all just free games are downloading. Or if they are, they're, they're paying for in-app purchases. So it's a good sign that paid apps – at least had to make up a certain percentage of those huge amounts of sales, which that's what I like to see. Cause I like, unfortunately it seems like a lot of the developers were going away from iOS because paid apps weren't doing well, but it seems like this kind of shows you that maybe they were doing fairly well and that at least that initial download rush of everyone getting new devices. Right. And then in app purchases, Apple gets 30% of that too. So it's all included. And with all this money, I mean, that's just Apple opened up a store and they get all that extra revenue just by opening, hosting the store. Right. They just provide the tools and then the developers do all the hard work and then they just provide the location for people to buy the stuff and they take their cut and make money off of doing pretty much not much at all. Yeah. And so since the App Store is doing so well, it gives us plenty to talk about on a weekly basis. And for apps this week, they're not the newest apps, but hopefully you're using them. And if you're not, hopefully you get some insight and maybe some incentive. So the two services are MoviePass and Cinemia. And both are kind of 
monthly subscription services to go to the theater and watch movies first run at the theater as compared to a monthly subscription service where you're watching at home. And so this, instead of going to the theater and, you know, prices keep going up, if you even go like a matinee time before noon, it's still like seven or eight bucks, especially if you live in a popular area like Southern California. So having a service where it might be 10 or $15 a month and you can watch as many movies as you want or you have specific kind of movie plans to watch any type of movie you want, it's definitely appealing service. So the difference between the two is that Cinemia gives you access to whatever kind of movie you want to watch, whether it's 3D, 4D, IMAX, Dolby Cinema, recliner-based, any kind of movie type, you can watch it with Cinemia, and you can pick a plan to either watch two, three, or four movies a month, and it increases in price. And the two movie a month is usually... 10 bucks per month to watch any two type of movies that you want and you know those 3d imax or 4d movie tickets are really expensive like i saw last jedi in 4d and so that cost 26 dollars if i would have gone but for cinemia it's 10 bucks a month and i had an introductory first month for five dollars a month so it's a pretty appealing service if you ever go out to the movies so I'm currently subscribed to Cinemia, and what I did was instead of doing the single uh, single ticket per each month, so you have two, one you can buy one ticket to two different movies each month. I'm doing this the one where I buy two tickets to the same movie twice a month. So because either I go with my wife or I go with one of my kids, and so this was just an easier way if we're going to book two tickets at the same time, then we just pay. We go in and you just book your ticket. And the way the app works is you go and purchase your ticket from Fandango or or a couple of other Adam tickets or a couple of other possible places, and then they, they've mailed you this little debit card. And what you have to do is if you're going to pre-buy your ticket, you go into the app and you say, I'm going to buy a ticket for this time at this theater, and then it unlocks that credit card to be able to make that purchase. So now you can go on to those third-party sites, buy your tickets, and then all you have to do is when you go to the movie, you then within an hour, a half an hour before the movie starts or a half an hour after the movie starts, you have to log into the app and check into the movie. So it knows you actually went to the movie that you said you went to and you didn't give the the tickets to someone else because you can only have that app installed on one device at any given time so that it knows that you're the one logging in and you're not just kind of either selling the tickets or giving them away and you're the one using them. And so far it's worked out really well. We like to go to see the 3D movies. I don't tend to go to the IMAX, but even even if you just go for the 3D, you're saving so much money. So for the one that I'm doing, it's $21.99 a month for the two movies two times a month uh, and or two tickets two times a month. And we definitely make out on this because even for two tickets to a 3D movie, even if you go to matinee, that's like 14 bucks a ticket near me. And then it's so those two alone would have cost me 28 bucks. So it, and it gets you out to the movies. Like you'd like to go see movies in the movie theater and it helps you support the movie theater rather than waiting for everything on, on Blu-ray or DVD. And we just found it works so well. And it's easy to use. Yeah. So that's mainly Cinemia. And then the, distinction with MoviePass, it works in much the same way where you have an app on your device, but MoviePass lets you see any movie that, or any day 
you can go. So you can say January has 31 days. You can go to the movies 31 days. You can see an unlimited number of movies. It's one movie per day, but they don't support 3D, IMAX, 4D, anything like that. It's standard 2D showing. So that's the major kind of differentiator between the two. But if you don't want to see 3D movies, you can see 31 movies a month or go see the same movie all the time. And as opposed to two movies or three movies per month. So that's the main kind of differentiator. And then also Cinemia lets you buy your movies in advance. Like you said, you could use Adam or Fandango. With MoviePass, you can only buy movies the day of when you're within 100 yards of the theater. So they have very select theaters have an e-ticketing option where you can buy your tickets in advance. Like that morning, you don't have to be by the theater. But most theaters, you kind of have to be there like 30 minutes before the show, buy the tickets, and then it has the same kind of card idea and you use that for your transaction. But there is that limitation that you have to be within the theater. And so MoviePass is $9.99 a month. You can see a movie every single day. And that change from the pricing scheme happened sometime about six months ago. So now it's just 10 bucks a month. And I know when you last used it, they had a thing where you couldn't see a movie within 24 hours. And that meant not like per day. If you saw a movie at 2 in the afternoon, you'd have to wait the following day till 2 in the afternoon to see a movie. It's not like you go at 2 and then right. 10 a.m. So now they've changed it. If you see a movie at 10 o'clock at night, you could see a movie the next day at 10 in the morning. It resets it. Okay, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the only other the one thing that was a detractor for me is the not a where you didn't have the ability to watch 3D movies. But then again, you're getting a lot more movies with MoviePass because you can go see a single movie every single day. And the other one was that not being able to buy them in advance. I mean, if you live close enough to your movie theater, theoretically, you go right in the morning and go purchase the tickets and then come back and see the movie later in the day. But that means two trips to the theater if you want to kind of make sure you get a reserved seat that you want and it doesn't sell out. And then again, you still have to wait for the day of the movie. So you're fighting against all of the people that pre-bought tickets like a week ago or maybe even longer ago. So that's one thing to kind of weigh in. But then again, if you don't can't see the movie you want to see that day, you can see a movie every single day. So you're bound to find a day you can go to the movies and watch the movies. So there's some trade-offs there, but then again, you're getting a ton of movies for $10 a month. Yeah, so I have MoviePass just because it gets me going to the movies more. Like, I would go to movies that I wouldn't normally see, just be like, say, later in the day, because it's usually $5 more expensive. It's almost a whole second ticket if you go later in the day. But now with MoviePass, you can go anytime that you want. The pricing changes throughout the day don't matter. So just recently, you know, I've seen Last Jedi a couple times, Jumanji, Greatest Showman, The Post, Shape of Water, and just really any movie that's kind of interesting you want to go see. With the Oscars coming up, I'm going to see all the Best Picture nominees if I haven't seen them already, just because I can with MoviePass. Though, Cinemia also it's appealing if you do, like, there's some movies that are better in IMAX or 3D or 4D. So it has its own appeal, kind of depending on the type of movies you want to go to. But if you want to just see movies, MoviePass really can't be beat. I honestly don't know how they stay in business for $10 a month if I go and see like 10 movies in a given month. But I honestly do not care. I know that for $10, it really is well worth that money. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how this is sustainable in the long run, but you might as well take advantage of it, especially with the Oscar season. Like Movie Pass is a fantastic option for that because now you can go see, like you're going to do, all of the picks. The one thing I just want to clarify with Cinemia is I believe you're only allowed to do one IMAX or 4D show a month. Like I don't think you can use both your tickets for that. I'm pretty sure you can only use one of your two movies for that. But I'm, I'm not 100% because I haven't actually used it for any of those type of movies yet. But I'm pretty sure it's only one that you can do it on. That's good to know. I only saw it in 4D, and honestly, that was worth it. So it's worth looking into. Yep. But either way, I mean, if you don't go to the movie theaters for whatever reason, there's some kind of hesitation, these can make it easier. And if you're already going to the movie theater and spending a bunch of money, this could probably save you money. So they're definitely both working into. They're both app-based. They lose. They use kind of the location of your phone, and they're just a neat way to get out to the theater and see movies you might not have saw otherwise. Yeah, and for movies terrible, you didn't waste any money really. Like you practically got it for free, so you don't have to feel bad about going to a bad movie. Yep. So that's Movie Pass and Cinemia, and that means it's time for some new games. And you know we're. This is pretty much the first full week of new releases because we had the freeze and then developers are kind of hesitant. So we had our best of show. We were talking about movies right before or games from right before the freeze. But now this is kind of like the first brand new week of releases for 2018. And it definitely doesn't disappoint. So the first game is Antihero. It came out on January 4th. And we've both seen this game at multiple conventions. It seemed to have been coming soon forever. But now it's finally available. And it's a digital board game you know brett loves but it's not a adaptation it's designed you know specifically for the platform and you know digital from the get-go and it allows them to put in a bunch of different details into the game so i don't want to go over just how to play the game and just really more describe what the game is so you can you play as a thief and you can recruit different areas and people to your cause. But essentially, you have a city map and you want to take ownership of specific buildings across the map to gain an edge over your opponent. Both players are trying to do the same thing. And so you want to get like trading posts and banks and guard shacks. And you always have to be able to fund what you're going to do. So you're going to have to rob places to earn coins and then there's a whole lantern system which lets you perform upgrades so you can have more turns or unlock the new special characters to aid in your cause of winning each match. And it's a really complex game, but it doesn't feel that complex. Like there's a bunch of different things you can do on a given turn, but it introduces the new mechanics at a relatively good pace so you never feel overwhelmed and you can get kind of fully incorporated into the game. And then it's not just a standalone board game where, you know, just you're going to play against other players. They have a whole built-in single-player campaign with specific AI opponents and specific missions to complete in addition to the online multiplayer options. So you have two divergent routes of ways you can play. Yeah, so the main actions, so the whole thing is kind of, based around these action points that you have for the different characters. So that's how many various things I can perform. And you start out with that one little uh, 
master thief who has two action points and you can decide like the whole city is kind of covered in darkness and you have to explore the city to find those various buildings so you don't know what kind of buildings they are you have to actually go and by exploring it takes away some of that mist that's in there and this it's like this whole victorian world and so there's this mist around everything and you go explore and the mist goes away and now you get to see these buildings and then you have to explore the building and see what kind of type it is and by robbing it and then once you have that type, if you have, you can start to hire these little street urchins who are orphans, and then they can start to kind of take over these buildings for you. And that'll what will those will earn you like additional coins. They'll earn you lanterns. They may earn you uh, the other abilities. Like now you can purchase other orphans for less money or you can purchase thugs for less money and you basically want to kind of keep control of these buildings because they'll provide you extra benefits and then if your opponent gets them they'll obviously get the benefits from those instead so there's this whole kind of push and pull but the whole goal of the game is to basically hit this set number of victory points which it could be five six it, it varies and the nice thing i the thing i really liked about the game was they give you multiple paths to victory. So you can decide what those victory points are, unless you're doing the campaign where there's certain ones that you have to have to meet. But otherwise, you can decide, I'm going to do this by, by fulfilling these assassination contracts and going out and killing these, these various people that end up somewhere on the board somewhere. Or maybe I'll blackmail, I'll get a bunch of blackmail points by going and taking over churches. Or you can outright buy bribes in your little upgrade menu instead of doing one of the upgrades or taking one of the free choices which give you either coins or lanterns you can go and buy if you have enough lanterns buy one of these bribes outright and that's an instant victory point so you have all these different choices of how you want to go about the strategy of winning the game and it's going to vary depending on your opponent and it's going to vary depending on the various layout of the buildings what buildings you happen to find so there's so much replay value here just because of how everything is changing all the time and you never know how your opponent's going to do or what your various goal is going to be within this campaign that there's just so much content here to play through yeah those victory points are what change every game because it's such a fluid setup like say you try to take a church that church isn't locked in your opponent could come and send a gang to evict some of your urchins or there's also like a truant officer guy who goes and takes all your orphans in a little carriage. I hate him. Yeah, so <laughs> that can completely change up the board. You used all these resources to put urchins to the church and now all three of them are gone in one fell swoop. So all the coins and all those action points you use just to take that church, it's gone. And so that victory point's taken off. So maybe you do want to focus on those victory points where once you kill someone, that victory point is yours. There's no taking it back. And the same with spending lanterns on a bribe. But if you spend lanterns on a bribe, you can't spend them on some of the upgrades. The upgrades might have your master thief have a more right, powerful dagger. Right, and that upgrade dagger. tree is another huge... Yeah, so that upgrade tree does yeah, that, all kinds that upgrade... of pieces. Yeah, it's massive because you get to choose exactly how you want to progress through it. So do I take the route where I'm building up my thief to make him better and better, giving him more and more action points and more things he can do on each turn? Or do I am I better off building up 
either my gangs so that now I have my master thief himself can kill people or eventually unlock a second gang, or do I go over to the other side where I can build up and get thugs and get other ways to earn extra money while I'm while I'm thieving and robbing these locations. So it's all kind of how do I want to approach it? And it's going to change with every single game and the layout of the board and just how everything changes. And so it's always going to be different, which is great because you don't want something that's just, I got this winning strategy I can just do over and over and over again. You have to change. Otherwise you're not going to do well. You have to come up with new strategies and new plans because you don't know what's going to be, you're going to uncover as you're going around and clearing out the board and finding the different locations. Yeah. That upgrade tree is outstanding to the point that you can, try a different path every single time you play or if you're in that campaign mode the mission really dictates where you want to go like campaign six you have to steal from like a buckingham palace type of place but you have to take out two guards and you have to put thugs in those places so you want to focus your lanterns on unlocking unlocking the thugs and making them as powerful as possible so you have always a different strategy and really that campaign mode is the one that i was playing the most just because each one really kind of focused you to change your strategy it really incentivized looking at the game differently and as you start kind of appreciating the different strategies you then have much more to go on when you go into the online mode yeah it definitely it's a nice way to learn all the different pieces of the game and you can change the difficulty within there as well so there were a couple that were giving me a lot a really hard time to complete at just the normal two-star level so i bumped it back to one and was able to to make it through that one to unlock the next one and progress through the campaign but at some point once i have a little more knowledge and and experience behind me i'm going to go back and replay some of those that i only did at the one star level to see if i can now beat them with experience at the two star yep and just really the victorian era and the theme the way it's beautifully implemented the voice work for each little character and just the character design it was well worth the wait you know we've both seen this game so long and to have it finally come out it's worth the wait, just the amount of polish and time that went into developing the game and making it as accessible as possible, even though there's so many layers of strategy and depth to the game is really extraordinary. Yes, I completely agree. And so that's Antihero. It's four ninety nine. It's universal. And then there's Rusty Lake Paradise. So hopefully you've heard us talk about Rusty Lake, whether it's Rusty Lake Hotel, Rusty Lake Roots, or any of the Cube Escape extension games. So there's nine of those. Those are all free downloads. And then Rusty Lake is their premium adventure series all within kind of the same world. So if you like that Marvel Cinematic Universe where you see Thor over in Doctor Strange movies or Iron Man connected to Captain America, you'll like Rusty Lake. It's super baby version of it, but it's really neat (laughs) where the storyline and the games are connected. Where you're playing Rusty Lake Hotel and you see this Mr. Owl guy and then he shows up in cube escape number eight it's really fun that they're connected and now rusty lake paradise is really interesting because rusty lake hotel was the first one and it's super weird with this kind of like macabre setup with these really stylistic anamorphic versions of characters and so 
Rusty Lake roots gave you like a little bit of like this backstory to Rusty Lake and why this lake's so weird. And it seemed like that's as far as the backstory they were going to go with because that was like in the 1800s. Well, now they come up with Rusty Lake Paradise and we're now back in the 1700s. They found they created a pre-prequel. And so with this game, you <laughs> kind of get to find the origin stories of Mr. Owl, Mr. Boar, Miss Pigeon, Miss Pheasant, Mr. Deer, and Mr. Rabbit. And it is the weirdest way to go about this story. And you can fully appreciate the storyline, but it's encapsulated within the classic point-and-click adventure game. You explore this island within the lake, and each kind of section of the area has these little pieces you're going to pick up, put them in your inventory, piece them together to solve the overarching puzzle. And you have to face kind of the ten plagues. So, you know, it's going to be hail and locusts and sickness. And you have to deal with each of these plagues. And it's going to be tied to the main characters. They all have to face it. And each of the puzzle clues you're going to give are tied to figuring out each one of the plagues. And so hopefully you've played one of these games in the past. But if you haven't, Rusty Lake Paradise stands by itself and will just kind of pique your interest to check out all the other games from this developer yeah and once again it's pretty creepy it's very it's gory at times it's just outright weird at times but it i don't know it just works i love this world it's just a very bizarre but fun world to to be in even though you feel kind of creepy that you actually are enjoying this really really horrifying stuff that's happening and the one thing I noticed about this one, and I noticed it more in the Cubescape than I noticed it in the previous Rusty Lake episodes, where this one kind of follows that kind of mentality where you're almost replaying the same location over and over and over again for each one of these plagues. So you kind of get the whole pathway memorized of how to navigate this little forest that's here and to go to the the two big locations and then the the various little locations within the forest so it does feel a little repetitive at times only because you're going through the exact same pathways over and over and over again but they do a nice job of mixing things up and you never know what creepy weird thing's going to happen next or what weird thing you're going to have to pick up and they do a really nice job of adding in these like logic kind of puzzles you have to figure out in this one which i don't remember a lot of those in the previous episodes or even the cube escape where besides the normal pick up objects use the objects there are actual logic puzzles that you have to solve in order to figure out other portions and then unlock other items i don't want to give anything away but it, i did like that mix of kind of point and click and puzzle that I don't know that we saw as much of in the previous games. There's definitely more logic puzzles. Like, they kind of scratch the surface in the other games. They try a few here and there. This one really, each plague has, like, at least five different logic puzzles that you're going to have to figure out. And I kind of liked going through the same island scape where you have it in the regular daylight. Then you have it where it's covered in fog. Then you have it where it's covered in snow. And so it's the same thing, but it still feels relatively fresh just because it's a different way to look at it. Especially because even not only is the environment the same, but the characters are going to be the same. You interact with them in different ways, but they all have kind of the same tendencies until you reach that point with that really crazy, creepy, funny song that three the two brothers and the dad sing. 
and that kind of <laughs> culminates the whole experience of the game. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I just I love this series and I I will continue to keep playing them as long as they put them out. I I don't know. It's just weird. It's definitely I I couldn't play this. So I was flying when I went. I could not play this on the plane next to my daughter because I had no idea what was going to come up on that screen. Whether or not she could hear it, I'm sure there were going to be some creepy, weird images coming up on the screen. And so I did not play it on the plane. I waited till I arrived at my destination and then played it because it's definitely not one you can really play around kids. Are you going to get a lot of questions or at least some, maybe some nightmares that night, but it is weird and fun and definitely worth checking out. Yeah. I mean, I've been like looking forward to the next cube escape game because it's going to be the 10th of the 10 game series. And then they go and sneak out a new rusty Lake game, which it's their premium title. They're longer games, but I mean, I'm still waiting for, that final cube escape game as well because it's a separate storyline within the same universe and just whenever these games come out you kind of set time aside where i'm gonna fully focus on this game and just appreciate all the little subtleties and the environment and the details of kind of the creepiness that they set up because there's kind of an air of twin peaks it's not full-on tweet peaks but there's kind of crazy subtleties like twin peaks and that's always interesting just the depth of kind of the storyline and the symbolism that you don't normally see in ios games yes yes yeah and it's one of those where you start and you just want to play through the whole thing and you don't want to go do anything else you just want to play through the entire thing because you're just so engrossed in the story yeah, I had to stop myself because I didn't want to just blast through because it it's been so long since the last one. You know, I'll stop at this plague. And I still completed the whole thing in like three days, but at least I didn't complete it in one day. Yeah, I, I did two days. I, I couldn't stop. I I played one uh, one whole night and then I stopped until the next night, finished it in the second night. Yep, so that's Rusty Lake Paradise. It's two ninety nine. It's universal. And then there's Let Them Come, which is a fast-paced action shooter it's interesting because i saw this game at the same time i saw anti-hero and now they both come out the same week and so this is a completely different game but it's from the same publisher and what you do is it's a 2d shooter where you're in a fixed point you're kind of like covered behind this blockade and all kinds of aliens are coming at you from the right and you need to just blast them away all kinds of aliens just non-stop aliens in a given wave and then it completes you take a breath and then there's a whole new wave with all new enemies and they set it up where if you die you don't restart from wave one but if you die at wave 14 you restart at wave 14 and you can perform all kinds of upgrades so that you can handle wave 14 better Right, yeah. So you have this humongous options of arsenal that you can build up over time. You have these certain upgrades that are passive upgrades that are there all the time, or you then can field two different weapons, and then you have all different bullet types as well. You have one melee weapon, one firing weapon. Then you have different bullet types, which can, depending on 
uh, you have the one where you have unlimited amount. Then you have the special bullets you can equip where you have a, only a certain amount and you have to keep on buying more stock of those if you want to continue to use them. But they can really help you in a bind. So they have ones that, like, when it hits the, the alien, it'll be just, like, electrocute it, and then that can end up causing, like, a whole chain reaction if you get one of these certain type of aliens that just kind of explodes when he dies and takes a whole bunch of stuff with him. But like you said, it's just that one singular setup where you're kind of aiming high or low, depending if there's the, the aliens are crawling on the ceiling or they're coming down low. And then if they get too close, they jump towards you, in which case you need to try to use that melee weapon to try to bat them away. Otherwise, if you take too much damage, then you die and then you have to start all over that particular wave but hopefully you've increased those weapons and gotten things or maybe one of those passive abilities that maybe gives you a little more armor that allows you to survive and continue progressing forward through wave after wave after wave. Yeah, the upgrade system is probably the most compelling part of the game because it's kind of like that permadeath where you die, but you can keep your upgrade so that way you can handle the tougher waves as you go. But... For me, it still it seemed like I wasn't going to play this game long term. Like I'm up to wave 22 and it's not that different than 21. And I know it's not going to be that different from 23. There's no kind of like, oh, we're going to transition now. I've completed all the waves of this part of the ship. I'm going to another part of the ship. It never kind of builds to that. And then also the controls were a bit weird just because the shooting button was so tiny. I expected it, like I understand you can upgrade and have new abilities, so you're going to have smaller buttons, but really when you have that left slider, that makes sense to move your thumb anywhere on the left side of the screen, but it's really small to kind of, you have to focus with your left side, and then on the right side, those buttons are minuscule. You really kind of have to be deliberate or just hold your finger on the button. You know, it's not that easy to switch over to the melee or switch over to your black hole ammunition no well you can switch the size of the buttons you can make them big there's an option in the settings to make them big but then they're huge and i wish i could reposition the buttons because it's just a line of buttons i would rather have them in the traditional joystick kind of triangle setup of buttons then i know where they are and could just quickly switch between them it just seemed like an odd setup to have you have to slide down a whole row of buttons but going back to your first point of like the repetitiveness yeah it really just seems like the same thing over and over again i was hoping there'd be boss battles or something to switch it up to give you like a little more to do something to change it or maybe now reverse it so now you're in a new location and they're coming from the other side or just something anything to change it up but it just felt so repetitive and in certain waves didn't feel like it didn't feel like the waves were getting harder and harder you'd have like a hard wave then a super easy wave then a hard wave again and it just seemed all over the place and i i don't know it, i i I, I totally agree that that upgrade system was the most interesting part. I just didn't find the actual game compelling. It seemed more of like a, a clicker, my time waster kind of mentality than something I would want to dive in and explore and play as much as possible. It, I don't know. It just didn't really click with me. It's weird because I played this game on the PC when they demoed it for me. And, you know, there's a specific key to use your melee weapon 
and it just seemed much easier to press that than any button array on the digital screen. Oh, yeah, I could totally see that because that melee, half the time, I'm not going to go all the way from the right side of my screen almost to the middle side to try to quickly hit the melee button, then go back because you don't want to let go of where you're, the directional that you're aiming. So you kind of always want to leave your left hand on that slider. So to have your hand be having to hop across the screen like that, it just felt so awkward where if you would allow the player to position the buttons however they want, it would seem like they could set it up a much better way that they'd be able to control it. I, I don't know. It just it felt awkward. Yeah, those ceiling-crawling aliens are the ones that got me every time anyway, so those are the ones yes. I most cared about to kill, and then they made it <laughs> so tedious or just such a hassle to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So that's Let Them Come. It's $1.99 and it's universal. And then to round out the week is Fling Fighters. It comes from Craneball Studios, the makers of 33rd Division, Blimp, Superfall, Fish Heroes, something more recent I can't think of. <laughs> they, they made a bunch car of... car racing one. Yeah. Splash Cars. Splash Cars. Splash Cars. Oh, Overkill. That was the one I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they've had a bunch of iOS games that have done relatively well. And so Fling Fighters is a online multiplayer quick action kind of arena combat where you fling stuff at your opponent. Each one of your characters is differently designed. Like you have a Tony Hawk version or a Mario version. Mario tosses mushrooms and Tony Hawk tosses skateboards. They're all these caricatures of famous people. And you don't actually control the trajectory of your toss. There's a kind of a guide arrow that just moves up and down automatically and you just try to tap at the right time to hit your opponent. You have a jump button, and then over time you have a special attack button. And that's all that you have in the game. And you just try to take out your opponent before they take out you. It kind of reminded me of the soccer physics game or yes. the Colin those uh Colin Lane games, the football. Yes, and basketball I know exactly ones. that's what it reminded me of too. Yes. Yeah, the, so it had the ones that kind you feel of like vibe. A very low control. Yeah, just with a combat game rather than a sports-themed version, but a very similar idea. And then there's the online part, but there's also kind of a local, multi or not a local multiplayer, just a kind of single-player campaign. They give you, like, they sound like usernames of online people, but it seemed like they were AI-based opponents you were going as you played from island to island. So those definitely seem like AI players because I actually tried to go on and do the player versus player multiplayer, and that was super duper laggy for me. I don't know if you even tried it, but it just seemed it was unplayable. The it, things would just kind of shake on the screen, then all of a sudden it'd be someplace else, and, and there was just so much lag that it really wasn't playable. But then I would go and do the challenge mode, and yeah, they had those names that seemed like they were actual players but it was so smooth and worked so well that i can't i have to imagine that those were ai players and not actually 
physical players. Uh, but there is a local mode. I haven't tried it where you're on the same device, which would lend itself towards that same kind of the Colin Lane football and those games where it's just absolute chaos as you try to control the uncontrollable. I mean, the one thing that was nice about this is there's all different locations. So there are some locations where there's pits you could fall in. So you kind of want to try to get your opponent to hit them and then maybe they fall off the screen into a pit and then you instantly win you don't have to take all their their life down and then there's other various little objects that show up that you can kind of blow up or you have to get it away from you before it blows up and it just it's fun chaos but at the same time i don't know how much of it i will play just because it does seem so uncontrollable at times i i don't know i don't know how you feel yeah I felt the same way on the online multiplayer for sure where I would throw things and hit the opponent like right in the face three times in a row and they wouldn't take any damage at all. And I'm like, is that just some lag thing or is their character not actually there when I'm throwing? I have no idea. So after a couple times where I hit the person all these different times and their health doesn't go down, I kind of quit that. But once you're playing where either the challenge mode or kind of that campaign mode, it's kind of quick action fun like dunkers or touchdowners those are the two games from Colin Lane I was yeah, trying to think of <laughs> <laughs> it has that idea just with a combat game but like you I don't know how many times I'm going to come back to it just because the games they kind of when you're playing against the AI they played out kind of similarly and I don't even know how different it gets on the online because there was such lag I don't even know what movements my opponent was doing for me to kind of gauge any kind of strategy or anything Right, right, yeah. I mean, I pretty much used. I had like some big fat guy was my the guy that I had. He was like a Shrek guy. He was, yes, you could yeah. put like a Shrek kind of look to him, and he like all I had to do was rush my opponent, and I could pretty much take him down in just a couple of shots. And like if I tried to slow play it and do it from the from the back and jump and toss, then I could eventually get him. But if I just raced forward as much as quickly as I could, it was pretty much a given that I would take him out super fast. And I, I tried all different opponents, like different. There were all different ones that I came up against, and it seemed to pretty much work all the time. So I don't know if that's just the AI has to learn. Maybe I was against human players and they were just really bad. <laughs> I don't know. But to me, I don't really feel compelled to keep playing to unlock all of the characters. I, I enjoyed a, a, a number of Crane Ball's previous games. This one just wasn't a hit for me. Yeah, I think that's exactly how I felt. I wondered if it was more like Cats, you know, that Crash Arena Turbo Stars by Zeptolab where yeah or even king of thieves where the opponent isn't there in real time it's like some weird ghost-based multiplayer but i have no clue but you would think even that would work more smoothly if it was a ghost it had to be in real time oh oh, oh i know no, i meant oh, for the, 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 the challenge mode yeah. yeah yeah it could be yeah maybe that is I, I wouldn't know how that would work for a combat game you know those are more yeah, because yeah yeah, because the person would have to be responding to your to your hits, like otherwise you're just shooting blindly and like, look, I got a hit. No. Yeah, it yeah. would be so, you can't record their play session and then play it back, and then you're fighting right. how they played against somebody else. <laughs> that would, although that, 
That would be pretty fun. That might be kind of cool. Yeah, that um, fits in with the whole random I, element of the game. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I would play yeah. 33rd Division because I played this. Yeah, I don't think I'm coming back to Fling Fighters. But it's out there. It's free. It's universal as compared to the other three paid games we talked about. And I think that's everything for episode 50. Yep, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.